podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, July 15th. And once again, I am flying solo. I am not joined by my neighbor Max for this episode. This should be the last one before Max gets back from camping on Sunday. But until then, uh, it will be another condensed podcast from myself because I know that no one wants to hear me ramble incessantly. Uh, What's lined up on the docket? We've got basketball storylines. I'm going to give you guys my reactions uh, from game four of the NBA finals between the Bucks and the Suns. Uh, we've got talking hockey a little bit, just kind of touching on what to expect coming up over the next couple of weeks, uh, a little bit of football fan cave and some baseball. And then uh, I guess the, the thing I'll say before I really dive into those other segments is the Olympics are starting a week Uh, From yesterday is when the first couple events for softball will start running uh, and then officially opening ceremonies a week tomorrow. So circle your calendars, folks. The Olympics are back. It's very exciting. We get to (laughs) catch up on a bunch of sports that you probably haven't thought about in four years. Uh, It will be the center of more than just sports, a lot of uh, economic, political human rights issues will come to the forefront and and hopefully we'll be able to talk about a couple of those as well uh, besides the incredible athletic feats that we will be about to witness Uh, but until then we will talk about the sports that are closer to home and not all the way in japan where the only time you're able to watch is from 8 p.m eastern to 8 a.m eastern which i will not be doing so it'll be a lot of catch-up during the days uh, on cbc here in Canada. Let's jump right into it, shall we? The NBA Finals, Game 4. Milwaukee even up, evens up the series with a really, really solid fourth quarter. The game was close, the closest game of the series, which is exactly what everyone has been asking for. Um, I don't think it matters necessarily that these are two small market teams if you get basketball of this quality everyone's going to tune in um and this this game is, is a huge payoff for what we have been waiting for these first couple of games of the finals and and why people anxiously await three full days of rest before the next game and, and it allows guys to be healthy uh, or as healthy as they can be we saw chris paul struggling with a bit of a hand injury Giannis still looks solid although um, not as aggressive looking for points as he has been in the other couple of games. Uh, but, but overall, the, the product is really, really good. And, and we didn't have any super long reviews that really bit into the game and, and took away from it. So it, pretty much all you can ask for from an NBA Finals game. Devin Booker and Chris Middleton both have their kind of explosive games. You knew that it was coming from Middleton. He usually has one or two each series and, and Devin Booker has been pretty inconsistent overall, um, not shooting incredibly well across the t- entire playoffs. And, and a lot of that has been due to the incredible play of DeAndre Aiden. Um, and then obviously a couple great games from campaign, Mikhail Bridges, and then Chris Paul has had a couple. So Devin Booker really uh, has been a consistent mid-teens point score and then he has a couple games where he uh, goes off and people are comparing him to Kobe again because that's what we love to do and he had 42 tonight Middleton matches him basically with 40 uh, 
both making some incredible shots, but in the end, the difference between the two is Devin Booker with five fouls uh, in third quarter um, and, and has to sit over half of the fourth comes in big, big moment where he tries idiotically to take a six foul on a fast break. The refs don't call it. The bucks still get the basket. Um, that could have been one of the biggest no calls in NBA history. If the Suns had come back and won that game, but, uh, not to be, and, and he gets away with that big sixth foul. Um, that's one of those blatant moments where you can tell the NBA has a bit of a directive where we don't want to see any stars leave this game and, and they're going to get a little bit of preferential treatment in order to keep ratings up. Cause if Booker goes out of that game, who knows how many people turn off their TVs at that point, what it leads to is an incredibly awesome and exciting last three minutes. Giannis with a overall LeBronian type finals right now, he had 26, 14 and eight tonight and then two really clutch defensive plays down the stretch. Of course, the block that everyone is talking about, uh, the unbelievable athleticism and heart to face Chris Paul, or pardon me, Devin Booker, then recover completely 180, get in the air, and, and fully clean all ball block at the rim on DeAndre Aiden trying to throw down the lob. It was simply stupendous from Giannis. And then... Basically, the next defensive possession uh, bothers Chris Paul enough in the pick and roll to knock the ball loose, and and Milwaukee gets out in transition. And those two really were the two deciding plays where Phoenix couldn't get a score. Milwaukee continues to to grow their lead, and and they finish things off. And it's a huge performance from Giannis. And <laughs> if you're Phoenix right now, you have to be a little worried because. He is the best and most dominant player in this series, and he has exerted his will in the last three games, I would say, um, two of those resulting in wins. And the deeper this series goes, the more physicality is going to play a factor. Now, if you're Phoenix, on the other side, you can argue and say, maybe physicality used to matter in the old NBA finals, but in this new league, a premium is placed on shooting and we're just two more lights out three point shooting games away from the Phoenix suns, raising the Larry O'Brien trophy. Uh, they've tended to shoot well at home. This is it. This is a huge, huge game in this series game five, of course, in game seven, it's pretty cliche, but they're the two biggest ones. And um, they just got to be hoping that they can, up the shooting percentage a little bit for this next game and have have a have games similar to game one and two. The other thing that Phoenix is going to either feel worried about or hopeful about is is that Chris Paul had a really poor game, 10, 4, and 7. That's okay for the type of role that he plays, but five turnovers, a guy that you usually are so uh, so reliable and you know he's not going to turn the ball over. Um, but he looks like he's being bothered by a hand injury, and we don't know what else has been ailing him throughout the playoffs. Smaller players typically do have a tougher time when it gets to this uh, late stages of the playoffs. Of course, Drew Holiday, really, really inconsistent and, and quite frankly not a great shooter throughout the playoffs. But there's one thing that he brings is physical defense, and he is making Chris Paul's life torturous. Uh, and, and it's get, definitely not got to be fun for CP to go up against that every night. And, and the deeper the series goes, uh, 
who knows how that's going to affect them. Luckily, there's three full days in between each game at this point uh, until game seven. So if you're Phoenix, you're hoping that Chris Paul can get some sort of treatment to have that at least uh, operational in time for game five. Two couple last notes here. If you're Milwaukee, um, Brooke Lopez, I, I know I was adamant that they should probably try and keep going with Lopez and take out Tucker, but it, it just in this game, Lopez a minus 13, it looks like he's struggling to, they're just going at him every time, whether it's Booker or Paul. And, and even if Tucker is sitting in the corner on basically both offense and defense sometimes, or uh, Devin Booker's making mince meat out of him. He at least plays with the confidence and, and you know that he's going to go out there and fight for you every night and, and be a little bit more uh, of a pest than you would imagine Brooke Lopez is to some of these guys. Um, PJ Tucker is going to get in their face and really make them feel his presence, uh, even if they're getting their buckets. So in that regard, I could see the argument there. I still think with the size that Milwaukee has and the later this series goes, Brooke Lopez is going to be an extremely important asset, even for just short runs where you can give him the ball and punish any small ball lineups that, that the Suns throw out there. And then the last guy I wanted to touch on was Pat Connaughton, who was a game high plus 21 in this game for Milwaukee. And he had two big, big threes late in the fourth quarter. Um, some awesome offensive rebounds. And, and if they can get that from him, if it's anywhere from eight to 10 points, uh, five rebounds, and, and two of those are offensive, like that's all you can ask from him. Um, he has, has turned up the compete level at the very least. There's still some plays that he makes that may cost them one or two more games left in this series, but you have to respect the heart. That's something that Max mentioned last weekend. Uh, and and I, so I want to take one moment to highlight what he's been doing for that team. Um, Going into game five, it's going to be really important to see what type of Giannis we get. Uh, so far, it's just been super consistent. So then the next step is what kind of Booker Middleton holiday do we get? And and also Chris Paul, because those guys have, have seemed to vacillate in terms of performance throughout the series. And then the next layer after that is what are we going to see from the role players? Bridges, Johnson, Payne, Craig, Aiton. The Suns need a little bit more from each of these guys. Um, and then on the other side, Connaughton needs to have a game like he did tonight. Lopez needs to bring a little bit more. Uh, and then who knows what they can scrap together with Forbes, Teague, uh, Portis, what those guys can give them. But right now it's, it's basically down to the team's top six, seven guys and the rotations are going to shorten. And the physicality, I think, is going to be a factor. I, I know I picked Phoenix, and I still believe they can have two great shooting games. Of course, they're at home. They still have home court advantage for these last three games. But the way that this series is turned now, I've got my jersey on. Giannis is, is the guy who could really emerge as uh, his, like, his coming out moment as the guy who took over in a playoff year. And, and despite the footnotes that may exist with no LeBron, no Kawhi, no Steph, uh, none of those, those top tier guys and, and a, a Brooklyn team that ended up missing out on Kyrie Irving and basically 80% of James Harden. Uh, you have to wonder if, if the story was different, but 
that's sometimes how it goes. And, and Giannis, this, would, this is a huge moment in his career, and I think he's up for it. So it will be really, really fascinating to watch when game five rolls around and definitely looking forward to that. We're going to take a quick break uh, and come back to talk a little bit more basketball. And we're back. Team USA blows out Argentina uh, the other night, which is fine, but I wanted to talk about their two um, pretty shocking losses to Team Nigeria and to Team Australia. Uh, they were 30-point favorites to Nigeria. I think I mentioned this on the podcast um, last Sunday, but it, it it's something that's worth repeating that they then follow that up with the loss to Australia. First time they've lost two in a row in exhibition since 1992. Um, and a lot of people are tearing apart this Team USA team. I think they're definitely missing more of the selfless, move the ball, set screens type of guys uh, that they always have a couple of them on every really successful international team. Uh, they could really use Kyle Lowry right now, but obviously he didn't want to play. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is, is the world is catching up and it's exciting. Obviously, we're here in Canada, really frustrating, disappointing loss to the Czech Republic in our Olympic qualifying, uh, but not just Canada, man. Slovenia making for the first time with Luka. Giannis not playing with Greece, but there's, there's Jokic. There's these great teams in Spain and France. Uh, and, and just overall, like, look at this Nigeria team. Obviously, a lot of these guys now do play in the NBA, but it, it's growing across the world in terms of popularity. Basketball is a game like soccer that you can pick up. It's relatively inexpensive, and you can play it almost anywhere, and that's happening. And, and it's exciting to have more competition for this Team USA. Uh, it's fun to cheer against them. And also fun to just watch the combination of players. When will you ever see Lillard play with Durant and Draymond and Devin, or pardon me, and Zach Levine, who had a nasty dunk against Argentina, by the way. But it it's cool that the world's catching up. And I'm looking forward to the Olympic basketball, not just five on five, but three on three as well, because the talent is, is really, really exciting. The next piece of news I wanted to talk about in the basketball world, the 76ers are opening up the Simmons trade discussions to a greater degree. And it seems pretty final that he is going to be moved at some point. And while we know his limitations, there have to be a couple of teams just absolutely licking their chops to get their hands on him because he is still young enough uh, you worry about some of the mental stuff, but maybe he just needs the right situation, even the right coach. The, the right camp maybe isn't there with him, but if he has someone who can completely change his vision, then he becomes an incredible player because we've seen the tools and the foundation that he has. You just worry about what that, that final mental stage is for him, and I think he could pair really well with a perimeter guard. Uh, as, as a sidekick and, and just Philly is not the fit. So you could see him going to Washington for Bradley Beal, uh, to Portland for Damian Lillard. I just, I don't know if the sides have the assets to get it done, but something to follow for sure. Cause if he moves, it's a big deal. Uh, and Philly's definitely looking to try and get a win now guy to put with Embiid, with Embiid um, in, coming back in that trade. 
And then the last piece of news I had here was Willie Green hired as the New Orleans Pelicans head coach. I don't know too much about him. Obviously, you know, Zion has to have approval there. Uh, and if not, then then you hope that something was said. Otherwise, they're making a pretty big mistake. But um, it won't take much to improve on what Stan Van Gundy left behind. Um, defense, I hope, is something that, that Green is going to take into account because the team last year had the potential to be a really, really strong defensive team. Um, and was just horrendous. And so if you've got Zion doing his thing on the offensive end, really, if you get a couple of stops, you're going to win a ton of games. And, and hopefully the Pelicans, that means for them that they'll be on the upswing next season. I'm going to roll right into the talking hockey segment. Not much here. I know there's a ton of news in the hockey world, but I'm just not prepped or following along closely enough to be able to give you analysis on all of it. Um, the Minnesota Wild have bought out Parise and Suter. My only thoughts on this is it's been talked a lot about what this means for the dead cap. They have, they're going to have 15 million in cap space taken up three and four years from now, uh, which basically kills any sort of contention hopes that you would have. My thought on this is at a certain point, it's in sports, there's never that certainty, right? There's no absolute that you know at this time this is going to be the case uh there's already always so many variables changing affecting things but if you're minnesota you know three four years from now we will not compete we will not be contenders and so having that uh finality that assurance just the knowing it helps you plan you can either really go for it now or you can go right into a rebuild, go into a retool, lock up the guys you need, but then you know those those two years are going to be really, really difficult, uh, but you know it's coming. So you can plan around that, whereas some teams, like our Toronto Maple Leafs, um, aren't so forward-looking and may not see the impending doom two, three, four years down the line, and then once they get there, they're actually screwed. But Minnesota can see the impending doom and so they can make the adjustments uh, and calculations to detour around it accordingly. Uh, so that would be the, the positive side that I see on that move. And, and also the fact that the sunk cost fallacy, Max loves to use that phrase. And, and for them, it's just that contract, those contracts have to get bought out at some point. So you just do it now, get it out of the way. There was no real other way that they, you were going to be able to get off of them. Now it's done. Now, how are you going to get past it? The reason that a lot of these transactions are going down is, is that just under two days from now, we have the roster freeze where teams are required to submit their protection lists uh, to the NHL for the upcoming expansion draft, which is now less than a week away. Super, super pumped. We may do a little bit of a preview for that on Sunday's show. We will see how prepared Max is for that. I'm sure he hasn't listened. So he's in going to be for quite a surprise if I do my research. Um, but that is going to be really, really fun. And we'll get to um, make our predictions and uh, shoot all of our takes out there about what this Seattle team is going to look like. Uh, coming up next season and hey if the odds look decent enough then you maybe put a little bit of money on their futures bet to uh, make the playoffs win the Stanley Cup because no one saw Vegas doing what they did and and they did it and Seattle could be right behind them 
the last thing I wanted to say was, it was Zach Hyman. Looks like he's headed out and I love Zach. Um, I'm going to be really bummed when he leaves and, and it's going to be a huge piece missing. The thing I would say though, is that he is 29. Um, the Leafs don't have the cap space to afford him. He's coming off quite a few injuries that could deceptively derail him. And in the style of hockey that he plays, he's going to age a lot quicker than some other guys. So from a heartless cold perspective and the business side of things, it won't hurt as much to see Zach go uh, as a personal fan perspective. It's going to hurt my heart a lot because I love Zach. Um, but it looks like they're way off in negotiations and, uh, at least it's, it's fun to see and, and prophesize what his best fit is in free agency and what he could bring to a team. Because at the one that's always floated out there is Edmonton. Everyone wants to see guys in Edmonton because Connor just elevates the play of everyone. But, uh, Zach could be a really fun piece in Edmonton if he's on that Connor McDavid line and, and, oh my gosh, would they be hell to play against if they aren't already. All righty, let's move along to our football fan cave. We're going to start with some footy uh, across the pond. Lionel Messi re-upping with Barcelona after the saga um, a couple months ago where he looked, seemed like he wanted out. He was at odds with the, uh, with the ownership of the team, but it seems like things have been patched up. He takes a basically a, a half a 50% haircut on his salary, still making $85 million per year for five years. Absolutely ridiculous money. Um, but he's coming off of a Copa America win. So obviously very much so still a top class player deserving of, of maybe not that level of salary, but the rep reputation itself definitely uh, warrants it. And we'll see how many of those years he's in Barcelona and, and how many years he may end up shaving off of that to head to the MLS. But um, he's loyal to his team where he's had the majority of, of his club success and uh, will be exciting to continue to watch him and see what Barcelona can do to retool around him uh, as they have fallen off in the last couple of seasons. Back home uh, in Canada, Toronto FC, and uh, club football, the Montreal, finally headed back across the border. Our first kind of of the big North American sports leagues. Uh, I would guess I group MLS into it. They're kind of a secondary sports league, but exciting nonetheless that professional sports will be back in Canada. TFC hoping to host their first game this Saturday with 7,000 fans in attendance and I cannot be more excited because it also means that the Blue Jays have to be just around the corner to come back. And uh, it will be two years almost um, since live sporting events have been played with fans in Canada. And uh, that just, I am over the moon about it. I cannot wait for that to happen. And I think it'll really help the team. They had to fire their coach, Chris Armas, uh, after the 7-1 drubbing, but just having home fans and sleeping in your own bed, it just completely changes a team. And I think TFC could actually use it as a boost to go on a bit of a run here and try and climb into one of those playoff spots in the MLS. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to transition footballs into the NFL and news coming through today that has me absolutely floored is that Tom Brady 
a report came out that he played all of the 2020 season on a torn MCL. Seems ridiculous to me that he was still mobile enough to, to play at a high level as a quarterback and they won the Super Bowl. So if that is the case, then good luck to all of the teams in the NFL because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have their basically entire starting roster back, plus Tom Brady, who is a year older, but a healthier knee um, and has a full training camp to go through all of his stuff with his guys. I, if the odds didn't move today, you might want to sprinkle a, a couple of coins on, on Tampa Bay for their success this season, because as long as he's still around, teams are going to win. And now that he's even healthier, maybe we see that for in some impossible world that Tom Brady at what, 43, 44 now is still uh, moving around like he did at 25, which isn't to say that he was ever great um, as a mobile player, but his pocket movement is very underrated and and if he's got healthy knees and that's a big part of his success and and leads into his throwing mechanics so I was pretty shocked by that and and it just means that the Bucks are high up on my list of contenders once again heading into the NFL season we're going to finish off with a bit of baseball uh, Pete Alonzo is the back-to-back home run derby winner uh, snooze fest of an event to be honest I I love the uh, back, 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 gone guy, but uh, not even he could draw me in this year. It's the first home run derby I haven't watched in a while. And uh, I just, baseball is losing me, man. It's losing a lot of people. Um, the only reason I would hang in there is, of course, our dearly beloved Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the all-star MVP, absolutely crushing a 468-foot moonshot. Um I'm all in on him. I think he's right up there for American League MVP, and and he is the guy that I'm going to tune into uh, night in and night out to watch the Blue Jays as they make their run towards the playoffs. Not for anything else. Rob Manfred, take a look in the mirror and fix your product. That's it for me. Um, <laughs> in the past, I have had the moniker of Obi-Wan due to my name starting with an O, but on this one, once again, I'm flying Han Solo. I apologize, nerdy Star Wars reference, but I finally finished the final season of The Clone Wars today, uh, so I was in the mood. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Appreciate all of the support, and, and thank you for continuing to listen as I ramble on by myself while Max is gone. He will be back for the next pod, hopefully, and, and our content will improve after that. Um, but thank you so much once again. Sports Next Door. Signing out.